Good afternoon, everyone. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. The book of Ephesians, chapter 6. In your bulletin, there is an insert. Uh, I created a list of prayers and questions and for reflection, uh, as it were, so that we could put on the armor of God together in our homes before we head out. And so um, feel free to take one, whether it's the morning, midday, evening, and um, don't feel pressured to do them all in one shot, but just gives you a sense to, we need the full armor of God, and hopefully this will root you. This is a morning kind of prayer, liturgy, a structure to give ourselves to Christ um, in this coming week. And so we've been in a series through the book of Ephesians. This is the last sermon in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be finishing with the second part from the armor of God. And so let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 10. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Don't put on just a couple of items. You need the full armor, right? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against human beings, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the evil, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, as a result of this, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then Paul basically says, this is how you keep on the armor. He's going to verse 18. This is how you keep it on and pray in the spirit on all occasions, not just when you feel like it, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, your desire is to reveal yourself to us again by the power of your spirit through your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, and open our ears so that we may hear what you want us to hear, see what you want us to see, and receive all that you have for us this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Throughout the book of Ephesians, we've been talking about three different words that we've used to summarize and categorize the book of Ephesians. The first word is sit. The second word is walk. The third word is stand. We mentioned that the book of Ephesians reminds us and calls us to sit with Christ. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And because we are seated with Christ, we have authority. Because we've been seated with Christ, we have significance. Because we are seated with Christ, we have status. We have stability. We were made to be seated with Christ. And out of being seated with Christ, we are called to walk in the way of Christ. In a world that often walks a contrast to the way of Christ, we are called to walk in the way of Christ. So you cannot walk unless you learn how to sit first. 
And so we got to sit and then we got to walk and it's out of that place that we have to stand, stand against the powers of the world because the powers are at work in the world. We are caught, as it were, as I mentioned last week, in a crossfire. Whether you know it or not, there are demonic activity taking place. Around us, we are caught in a crossfire. And the purpose of the demonic powers on the world is twofold, at least. The fallen powers of the world exist to cut us off from Jesus and each other. Isolation. Or form us in a way that we revert to cutting others. Violence. And so whether the evil one cuts you off from Jesus and each other, or whether the evil one uh, has, revert, has this reverting to a way of cutting others, that is the goal of the powers of darkness. And so our call and the face of what the powers are doing is to stand firm. That's our job description as Christians. Stand firm. And let Jesus take care of the battle for you. Your job is to stand, not to fight. Your job is simply to, and after you've done everything, to stand. And so when the evil one comes, your job is not to beat him up. That's Jesus' job. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just make a line in the sand, uh, right there. And put your hands up, stand firm. And when the evil one comes... With your hands like this, you just step to the side and let Jesus beat him up. That's what you do. You just, just let, let Jesus beat him up. Stand firm. He comes. Jesus beat him up there. The problem is many of us, we, we want to fight the devil on our own terms, in our own strength. Let Jesus beat him up. We don't have the strength to do it. Speaking of devils, I had a chihuahua named Milo uh, growing up. And this dog, he had to be possessed. And this dog would bark at everyone, want to fight everybody, especially behind the gate. And so he'd see bigger dogs come and he'd fight all that stuff there. And one day, uh, I would say, leave that dog alone, Milo. Leave that dog alone. That's a big dog. Leave him alone. And one day he got caught outside the gate. <laughs> dog came. And he said, get me back in. Get me back in here. Get me back in here. Get inside here, I tell you. Some of us, we trying to mess with the devil. Don't mess with the devil. The devil will mess you up. Let Jesus uh, fight the devil for you. And so Paul says, our job is to stand. And we are to stand with particular armor that's given. And Paul begins by saying that God has given us a belt. He's given us a belt. That's the first weapon that Paul gives. And as I mentioned last week, it doesn't make sense to start off the armor with the belts. You're about to go to a fight, and you go, where's my belt? Where's, where's, my, where's my belt? You don't really start fights with you. Where's my sword? Where's my weapon? But Paul says, you got to find your belt first. Unless you're a Puerto Rican mother who knows how to do the, the nunchucks here. I, I, I mean, it doesn't make sense to wear a belt. But Paul says, it is truth that holds the armor together. That's why we start off with the belt of truth. It is the, the truth that holds the armor together. And out of wearing the belt, he then says we need the breastplate of righteousness, that the evil one will shoot arrows at you, arrows at your heart. And one of the ways that we protect ourselves, the vital organs of our spiritual life, is by remembering that God has given us his righteousness in Christ. 
that we don't fight the evil one based on our righteousness, and we don't stand on the basis of our righteousness. We stand on the righteousness of Jesus. We don't, we don't come to the Lord's table based on our righteousness. We come on his righteousness. We don't stand in our name. We stand in his name. And I gave you this uh, word for righteousness last week that the kaiosune, this Greek word, is a status of righteousness that God confers on you not based on anything you've done right. In addition, it's the status given to you in spite of everything you've done wrong. And so God gives you a status, whether you've been good or not. Because it's not based on whether you've been good or not. It's based on Christ being good and what Christ has done for you. And so Paul says you need a belt, you need a breastplate, and you need a helmet, as I mentioned last week, that you need to be rescued. How can you fight the evil one if you are partnering with the evil one? You need to be saved from the powers of the evil one. You can't be colluding with the evil one and fight against the evil one at the same time. And so we need to be rescued, saved by Jesus from the evil powers in order to stand against the evil powers. Now Paul continues in verse 15. He says, in addition to a belt and a breastplate and a helmet, you also need some shoes. You need some good shoes here. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now this is not the clearest verse to understand, but let's take a look at it from the Roman soldier perspective. Paul is saying what you need are a pair of gospel of peace shoes. That's what you need. You want to fight the right way? You need some gospel of peace shoes. And so for a soldier, your footwear makes all the difference in the world. If you have the right helmet, you got the right breastplate, you got the right shield, you got the right belt, but if you don't have the right footwear, you are incredibly limited. Because you know if you, if, if you don't got the right footwear, you're limited. We've all had shoes on that are too small or too big. And it limits you. It limits your effectiveness. And we just don't need good footwear. We need appropriate footwear. Paul says, listen, listen he needs gospel of peace shoes. That's what you need. When I used to play Little League, I used to play Little League baseball in Starrett City. And uh, I would play, Julie's from Starrett City. Julie, I see Starrett City's in the house. And so I would play with these baseball cleats and all that there. But from time to time, I'd forget and put on my basketball shoes. And there were some nice basketball shoes, but they were not appropriate for the dirt. We need not just good shoes, we need appropriate shoes as well. And Paul says the appropriate shoes to stand against the evil one are gospel of peace shoes. And so uh, soldiers, Roman soldiers, generally wore a very tough sandal, very tough leather straps holding it firm on there. You can get these at Queen Center Mall, by the way. And, uh, and they would have nails protruding through the sole so that whatever terrain you were on, you could stand firm against the Opponent, that stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. And Paul makes a connection with the shoes that we wear and the gospel of peace. He's saying the only thing that's going to keep you standing firm are having shoes that are connected with the gospel of peace. Now, it's interesting language. Paul connects our firm footing with what he calls the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It's strange wording. And he's not talking about evangelism here. He's talking about standing firm. What can keep you standing firm, not slipping, not sliding, never flinching in attack? Paul says it's the gospel. 
It's the gospel. He's saying you need some gospel shoes because the gospel, when, when you're standing on the gospel, the gospel gives you the power to do what you can't, can't do in your own strength. Let me give an example of this to, to make this come alive. In the 90s, there was a basketball player named D. Brown, a guy named D. Brown. And D. Brown had a sneaker called the Reebok Pumps, called the Reebok Pumps. And I remember the first time he was, it was a dunk competition. I was watching basketball and, and he put on the shoes and all that there. And, and he, um, he had the pumps on. And he got, before he dunked the basketball, he did the, and everybody's going, wow, what is he doing? And he put the pump, he, he like, he pumped his shoes up. And because he pumped his shoes up, at least this is what the marketers wanted you to believe, he was able to do that. Not even look, dunk the basketball. He, and we all, everybody needs those shoes. And so all my friends got the shoes. And this is us at the basketball court. And we're still as terrible as you can be. Can't even touch the net. What? Those shoes can't change your skills. They can't make you do something you couldn't do in your own strength. You could, or you want, you're still terrible. But when you put on gospel shoes, Talk to me. When you put on gospel shoes, you're able to do what you can't do on your own strength. You can stand against the evil one when you have on gospel of peace shoes. And so Paul says you're going to need some good shoes to stand against the evil one. And Paul says they're not just any kind of gospel shoes. They're gospel of peace shoes. In other words, the evil one comes at you with attacking. And the way that Christians stand is not against, uh, not attacking. The way that Christians stand is through peace. We, we, we don't go the way of the world. We put on gospel of peace shoes. It'd be a good idea before you go on Facebook, put on some gospel of peace shoes before you go on Facebook, before you put something violent out to somebody else. Before you go on a train, put some gospel of peace shoes before somebody sits next to you and you catch an attitude with them. Before you go into your workplace, put on some gospel of peace shoes so that you can do in the power of the spirit what you can't do in your own strength. And so Paul says, put on gospel of peace shoes. And what's the goal of the gospel? How do you know you're wearing gospel of peace shoes? I'll give you two reasons. You know you're wearing gospel of peace shoes. If the evil one's task is to have you cut off from Jesus and cut off from each other, or to revert to cutting others, you know you're wearing gospel of peace shoes when you're in union with Jesus, or when you're working towards reconciliation and unity with others. When you're not wearing gospel of peace shoes, you're cut off from Jesus, and you're cut off from each other. But when you're wearing the gospel of peace shoes, you are in union with Jesus and in unity with others. When you're wearing gospel of peace shoes, you don't revert to hurting others in the way that they might have hurt you. You're about forgiveness and grace and mercy. It's the gospel of peace. And so Paul says, if you're going to stand against the evil one, it's ironic image. If you're going to uh, wage war, you need peaceful shoes. Gospel of peace shoes. And so Paul says we need proper footing uh, to stand on. And in addition to that, Paul says in verse 16, uh, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, because our battle is very real, 
We need to protect ourselves against the attacks that come our way. And so we need a good shield. And Paul writes that the evil one, why do we need a shield? The evil one is always consistently firing arrows at you. This past week, you might have been hit with a couple of arrows. The evil one consistently around the world is firing fiery arrows, flaming arrows against people throughout the world 24-7. And so because these arrows come our way, we need a shield. Now, for Roman soldiers, there are two types of shields. There was like the Captain America kind of shield, the small one there for hand-to-hand battle. And then there was a larger shield we see in the movie uh, Gladiator, for example, like a, a, almost a, a shield the size of your body that you could hide behind. And the reason why you needed the shield was because at any moment, Paul knew that flaming arrows can come your way. And there was no anti-arrow technology in the same way we have anti-missile technology. In our day here, a missile comes and go, oh, there goes a missile. Let's just fire a missile back. There was no anti-arrow technology. You never know when you're going to get hit. As a result, you need to always be alert having the shield of faith. Now, the shield of faith was a large, often uh, shield made of solid wood, which was covered in metal or heavily oiled leather. And so when a flaming arrow would hit the shield, the fire will be snuffed out as it hit the shield. And here's the thing is about arrows. You don't expect them. You can get hit at any time. And arrows come in all shapes and sizes. Criticism can be an arrow you're hit with. You weren't expecting to be criticized, and uh, you get hit with an arrow. Sarcasm. You're in a conversation with someone, and someone says the sarcastic, belittling statement to you. Hit with an arrow. A comment someone makes about your weight or your height. Flaming arrow coming against you. A comment about the shape of your eyes or the texture of your hair. Flaming arrow coming against you. Someone violating your body. An arrow coming against you. A betrayal of someone who you love. And you never thought they would hurt you. Flaming arrow comes your way. And that's not all. It's not just the arrows. Because we're complicated human beings, what often happens is the evil one will play on our insecurities and unresolved hurts. And so someone might offer a loving word of correction, but all you can hear it is violent attack. And the messages that come our way reinforce that. There was a guy, his name is Brent Curtis. He wrote a book called The Sacred Romance, and he talked about two different types of arrows. He talked about regular arrows that hit you, and then he talks about the message of the arrows, that every arrow that hits you has a message that we often internalize long after their initial hurt is gone. And this happens to us often. This is the craftiest weapon of the enemy, perhaps, Maybe you've been hit with an act of betrayal 20 years ago. And the message of the arrow is never trust anyone again. You might have been hit with an arrow of criticism about your looks. And the message of the arrow is, I'm not lovable. I need to change the way I look. Hit with an arrow of failure. And the message is, you're going to fail every single time. And so it's not just the arrows that hit us. It's the messages that we internalize based on our unresolved issues That debilitate us. And so God, in spite of all this, God has a shield for us so that the arrows don't take us out. And in the shield of faith, God provides a healthy layer of protection that keeps the arrows from reaching the deep places of our hearts. 
And it doesn't mean that you won't feel, but it means that the arrows can only go so far. Perhaps some time ago, someone would criticize you and it would debilitate you, but now the arrows can only go so far because you have the shield of faith. Now, a couple of months ago, almost two months to be exact, I, there was a day where I didn't have the shield on. I didn't have the shield. I just, I just left home without it. Never leave home without the shield. I left home without it. And I had a conversation with Pastor Pete. And we were in my office, and, and he said, hey, Rich. And he just wanted to, to talk about new life and make some observations. And as we're talking, he was as kind as you can be. He was not condescending. He was very affirming. But he had a couple of observations he wanted to make. And by the end of the 45-minute conversation, I, as I'm, my, my blood pressure is like, uh, my, my, my pulse is racing. I'm, I'm, I'm taking stuff personally. And I just I walk out the room just going... I'm a terrible person. I'm just, I'm just an awful leader. This church is going to hell. This is it. This is this. This is awful. Maybe I. And then what? What happens? Because there's unresolved hurts. Even any kind of observation is taken as an attack. And so I'm going home, and the evil one starts playing on that. And for about a good 24, 36 hours, I'm thinking. Maybe I shouldn't even be a pastor anymore. Maybe I should ah, do something else in my life. Maybe. And that's how the evil one comes. When the evil one comes, the evil one comes to accuse you and to fill you with guilt. He's the accuser of the brothers and sisters. And he comes to fill you with guilt. And so the evil one will, will, will shoot arrows at you consistently. And then we have to deal with the messages of the arrows that often debilitate us long after the hit has come. And yet God has given us a shield of faith. And so Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, I heard a preacher once say, rearrange the words, and you might get a little excited about it, all right? And so I'm going to read this verse for you in a different way, and this is your opportunity to get excited and say amen to something, all right? Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Here's another way of saying it. All the flaming arrows of the evil one can be extinguished. That's good news. That's good news. All the arrows of the evil one that are coming against you, they can be extinguished. They can be put out. They can only get so far. They can't take you out. All the flaming arrows of the evil one can be extinguished. And so Paul says, you need to hold on to the armor, but the armor is not just an individualistic thing. The shield in, in Roman war and Roman battle is to be a communal thing as well. Whenever there was a fight and uh, someone would take out a Roman soldier, what they would often do is they would come alongside the vulnerable soldier who has been wounded and put their shields together, as it were, to shield from the, the arrows that are coming and shield the vulnerable soldier who's been impacted. And this is a picture of what the church is to be. Too often the church, we're shooting our arrows at each other. That's that, I mean, that's what the church is. They're shooting fiery arrows. But we're called to put our shields together. So that when someone is vulnerable and powerless, we're using our shield of faith to protect. This is why we have a community development corporation. 
Why we help those who are poor and marginalized. We help those who don't have medical insurance. We help those who are undocumented immigrants. We help those who are on the margins of society, being exploited by society, being hurt by the powers of the world. We want to come alongside. Every time someone comes into that medical health center, we're putting our shield together. Every time we have a counseling session, we're putting our shield together. We're saying we are choosing as the body of Christ to protect each other from the, uh, from the, the, the pain and attack of the evil one. And so Paul says, we, if we're going to fight the, this fight the right way, it's not just our own shield. We need the shield of faith together. And so Paul says we need gospel shoes, shield of faith. And then Paul says we need the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the spirit, it refers to a, a short, sharp sword used for hand-to-hand combat. I was watching Gladiator this week, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> and our battle with the evil one, Paul notes, is like a hand-to-hand combat, which is to say the evil one is often closer than we think. And the battle's all, often closer than we think. And so we are, we are called to engage with the sword of the spirit. Now, uh, when, it, when you're in hand-to-hand combat with swords, there's really two ways for the enemy to get victory over you. Two ways. At least this is what I see on the movies. There's two ways. Either the enemy, because the enemy has his own sword. The enemy can either take you out by killing you with the sword. Or the enemy can disarm you of your sword and render you powerless in that way and take you captive. Because you don't have your sword. Now, here's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is the enemy cannot kill you. Jesus says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Jesus says no one can pluck you out of my hands. You're mine. The enemy cannot give you uh, spiritual death. The enemy cannot kill you. But what the enemy can do is flip the sword out of your own hand and hold you captive. And this is the strategy of the enemy, to, 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 to disarm you of your sword, and the sword is the word of God. The evil one has his own weapon, and the, and the strategy is to flick your sword out of your hand. And the evil one does that in many different ways, trying to get you disconnected from the scriptures. The evil one's task is to undermine the scriptures. And this happens in many ways. The evil one tries to convince us that the scriptures are not credible or that the scriptures are a good book with some helpful advice, but no different from any other religious text. Or the evil one will have us to believe that there's some parts of the scriptures that are good, that we can, yeah, let's do that. And there's other parts that you can choose whatever you like. And tries to get the sword out of your hand. And if the evil one can't do that, perhaps the, the biggest scheme of the evil one is not to disarm us of our sword, but to have us use our sword to hurt others. And this might be the most dangerous attack of the enemy and strategy of the enemy. Because when we use the sword of the spirit, that is the word of God, in ways that are not consistent with the Holy Spirit, we end up being used by an evil spirit. Whenever you, whenever you use the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, in a way that's inconsistent with the Holy Spirit, you end up being used by an evil spirit. I'll say it again. My brother said, say it so. 
You can use the Bible not to liberate, but to oppress. You can use the Bible not to heal, but to control. You can use the Bible not to give life, but to manipulate. Throughout human history, people have used the Bible as a source of oppression. Slavery was used. The scriptures were used to justify slavery. Scriptures used to justify putting women in their place. Scriptures misused to keep people in spiritual uh, darkness. Hear people say, you know, you don't need counseling. The Bible just says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You don't need counseling. And they use the Bible to keep people in prison. And some of you just need counseling. In the name of Jesus, you need some counseling. You just do it in the name of Jesus, all right? And so we either use the sword to control. And whenever we use the sword to control, to oppress We are being used by the evil one. And so Paul says, if you're going to stand, you're going to need the sword of the spirit. This is why one of the best disciplines you can do is memorize scripture. Jesus, when Jesus was attacked or tempted by the evil one, Jesus didn't have a long conversation with the evil one. Jesus didn't give good commentaries and, and dissertations with the evil one. The evil one said, if you are the son of God, turn the stone into bread. If you are the son of God, jump from the temple and an angel will catch you. If you are the son of God, bow at me and my feet and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. And time and time again, Jesus said, it is written. This is the son of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. You want to stand, how can you stand against the evil one if you don't know what is written? I mean, so put the horoscopes down, brothers and sisters, and and, and take up the sword of the spirit. (laughs) Amen. Rama Aries. What does Ephesians say, though? All right. And so Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. My grandfather, when he was discipling me, he discipled me for six months before he passed away, uh, four to five days a week for two to three hours each time. And he said, "Um, you're going to learn how to memorize scripture. And he said, two things I want you to love. I want you to love the Trinity and I want you to love the Bible. And so every day we talk about scriptures and he said, I want you to memorize these verses because he said, there's going to come a time where you can't read your Bible. And you're going to be able, you're going to need to hold on to what you've internalized. The book of Psalms says, I have hid your word in my heart so that I wouldn't sin against you. My grandfather would teach me these scriptures and he'd say, I want you to memorize Psalm 91 and Psalm 27 and go home and don't come back until you memorize them all and they're going to have a test. And so Psalm 27, I yell, oh, uh, you ready for the test? I think I'm ready for the test. And then tell me what it says. And I use some good new King James version. It just made me sound a little holy, too. Just a little more King James, too. The Lord is my light of my salvation, Grandpa. Whom shall I fear? Go ahead. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Keep it going. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. He said, keep going. Though a host shall encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. 
He says, keep going. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies round about me. Therefore shall I offer praises in his tabernacle of joy. I will sing, yay! As good King James, yay, I will sing praises to the Lord. He said, what else you got? I said, oh, what else? Like Jesus wept. That's all I got after that. That's all I got. <laughs> About four years ago, I had tuberculosis of my lymph nodes, and I was filled with great anxiety because it took about three months to diagnose what it was. And I would come up here and preach, and uh, lymph nodes, three or four of them, swollen right under my neck. And the anxiety and dread that I felt, not knowing if I'm going to see my kid grow up, biopsies after biopsies, and I couldn't even open my Bible. There are times I couldn't even open the Bible. I was so anxious, sleeping two hours a night. And I remember what my grandfather said, there's going to come a time when you don't have the strength to open your Bible. And so I'd be in the shower just filled with anxiety and start quoting scripture. Amen. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I would say, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, you are my God in whom I trust. How can you stand against the evil one? where you don't have the sword of the Spirit. Amen. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so we are called to internalize. The, 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 the reason God gives us the sword of the Spirit is not for us to wield it against others. The sword of the Spirit is to transform us into the image of Jesus so that we can stand. Only Jesus can stand against the evil one in this way. We stand in his name. And God wants to fill us, use the scriptures to shape us in the way of Jesus. And so Paul says, you're not just going to need a shield. You're going to need as well a sword. And then Paul says, in closing, the way that you keep all this armor on is by prayer. How do you keep it on? He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Paul's saying, if you're going to stand against the enemy, you're going to need to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Because the powers are so strong, if you're not connected to Jesus, you have no hope. And so we need all kinds of prayers. We need contemplative prayers and centering prayers. We need prophetic prayers and intercessory prayers. We need prayers in tongues. We need prayers in our own language. We need quiet prayers, and we need loud prayers. And Paul says, not only do you need all kinds of prayers, you need to pray on all occasions. When you feel good, pray. When you feel bad, pray some more. When you feel holy, pray. When you feel dirty, you especially need to pray. When you feel righteous, pray. When you feel unrighteous, you should pray some more. When you wake up in the morning feeling good about yourself, pray. When you don't want to wake up, pray some more. Paul says if you're going to stand, you're going to need to pray all kinds of prayers on all 
times of occasions. And as we pray all these prayers for all kinds of occasions, he says, the Holy Spirit will let you stand against, amen, stand against the powers of darkness that try to come against you. And so we need to be a church that learns how to stand. That wherever we go, we stand. That we have a particular power that Jesus had when he encountered demonic powers. And I want to end with this. I want to end the book of Ephesians with this thought. Whenever you see Jesus walk into a neighborhood and a demon runs into Jesus or a demon-possessed person runs into Jesus, a demon would always ask a question. First they go, ah, he's coming. And then they would say, as we see in Luke 4.34, the evil spirit would say, have you come to destroy us? Whenever Jesus walked in, they knew that their time was up. And they said, have you come to destroy us? And we need to be a church that when we show up, this is the question asked by demonic powers in our midst. Have you come to destroy us? When we show up, demonic powers that hold people in bondage to addictions should be saying, have you come to destroy us? When we show up, demonic powers that fuel racism should say when Christians walk in the room, ah, have you come to destroy us? When we show up, demonic powers that have caused division and hatred for one another should say, ah, have you come to destroy us. When we show up, powers and principalities know that their time has come to an end because as Paul says in Romans 16, he says these words, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. His time is up. And we are called very simply to stand. Some of you right now, you've been coming against all kinds of demonic powers, forces coming against you things that you can't explain through your own rationality. And our call very simply is to stand, standing in the hope that Jesus Christ has already defeated the powers. And we are called very simply to stand because the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Let's pray together. I want to have the worship team come forward. I invite you to close your eyes. If you're living on this planet, arrows are coming your way. Arrows in the forms of hurt, betrayals, disappointments, spiritual attacks, fears. And Jesus calls us to stand firm knowing that he's with us. And so where is the evil one showing up in your life? The good news is that Jesus is there too, fighting for you at your side. And so Lord Jesus, we confess today that we often live our lives without your armor. And Lord, often we found ourselves in situations that are beyond our strength and control. But you've given us an armor to stand firm with. Fill us with the Holy Spirit 
renew our minds. Saturate us with your love so that we would be able to stand confessing that you are indeed the great I am. We sing to you now, Lord, declaring your victory over the evil powers and principalities in the world. You are alive. And because you are alive, we can be too. We sing to you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing together. Amen. As we close this book of Ephesians, we, we leave with that. He's the great I am. God has made you to sit with Christ to walk in his way, to stand against the powers. And he is with us. I want to invite our prayer team to come to my left. We have the Lord's table to my right. We'll have Pastor Joe offer the bread and the cup to you. The arrows are relentless. The flaming arrows of the evil one. Until Jesus Christ comes to fully and finally restore the world, the arrows will come every single day in many different forms. And we're called to wear the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. In July, we're going to have a class on studying Scripture and how to encounter God in Scripture. If you're trying to figure out, you go, I don't even know where to begin with the Bible. Um, make sure you attend that class because our job is to equip you so that when the powers come, you're able to stand and say, It is written. <laughs> Amen. It is written. That nothing shall separate me from the love of God. It is written. That should be our life. When the evil one comes, middle of the night, attacking you, it is written. And so we have a sword and a shield and gospel shoes. I mean, God's hooked us up. He's hooked us. He's given us, he's given us a good wardrobe. And so may you use that insert there as a way to put it on every morning as we stand against the evil one. Maybe the evil one's coming against you with some particular attacks on your life, on your body, in your family, in your finances. And you just need God's strength. We have our prayer team here. Paul says we need all kinds of prayers on all occasions. And this is why we, one of the kinds of prayers is intercessory prayer, praying for each other. We open ourselves up to words of knowledge and words of wisdom and, and prophetic messages from God. We need all kinds of prayers on all occasions. And so our prayer team is to our left here, to my left and your right. And come forward if you need God to empower you, to anoint you with oil. Don't leave without that. And we have the Lord's table to my right. Every uh, person on the battlefield needs some sustenance. And our sustenance is the bread and the cup. It's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. If you're going to stand against the evil one, you're going to need something in your belly, as it were. And we need the bread and the cup. So come forward. Jesus Christ was broken for you, poured out for you, so that you would be broken and poured out for the world as well. And so the Lord's table to my right, our prayer team to my left. Let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven. I've really enjoyed going through this book of Ephesians, and my prayer is that all the truths that Paul talked about would be a reality in our lives. He began by saying, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've been blessed. You might not know. You've been blessed. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. And so if you belong to Christ, you, you have every spiritual blessing available to you. And I just want to bless you as we close this series here. 
May the Holy Spirit fill you, anoint you, so that you would stand. Brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you and fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, that you would have on gospel of peace shoes and holding the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And would you stand? And having done all, would you just stand? Knowing that if God be for you, who can be against you? I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Grace and peace, everyone.